Hey guys, Jack here. Thank you guys for tuning in. As always, if you want more great Just Hands content, head to our website, justhandspoker.com. There you'll find our strategy blog, information about coaching, the Just Hands membership, premium podcasts, lots of good stuff. Check it out. Uh, and thank you guys again. Enjoy this week's episode. Hello, Zach. Hey there, stranger. Still in, still in Vegas? Still there. Yeah, I figured, considering we recorded our last episode about a half hour ago, and you were in Vegas <laughs> then. Sorry if that disappoints anyone. I, I don't see why it would. We, we often record our episodes uh, several at a time. It tends to be the most efficient way to do it. So, yes. That must really uh, piss people off, Jack. Yeah, I know. I'm not sure why you said that. Uh, sorry, trade secrets, trade secrets. Got to keep a, yeah. keep those things under wraps. Anyway, today we want to do dive into our listener hands, which have been a little bit neglected as of late. So we've collected quite a few, and we're going to share. Yeah. Them. First off, yeah, we we apologize. It's been pretty busy when we were on tour together. Uh, we kind of neglected uh, some of our email responses to the listener hands, and you know, we've done a few less listener hands as of late because we were lucky to have a lot of great guests on, but. We read all of the hands and definitely intend to, you know, either respond to you if you write us in, uh, but really we're, we're trying to do listener hand breakdowns on our site or podcasts, you know, a full podcast episode about them. So we appreciate you continuing to write in, even if we don't get back to you immediately. And uh, for times like these, when we just want to do a bunch of listener hands podcasts. So. Yeah. And to, just to clarify what Zach means, uh, we're going to start trying to do either a weekly or a bi-weekly. We're going to see what our schedules look like, especially with the World Series of Poker coming up. We're going to try and do a weekly or bi-weekly uh, listener hand breakdown on our blog in the style of the podcast breakdown, which is a weekly breakdown of the podcast hand where we use software to try and figure out the right decisions. And so we're going to try and do that on the blog for some of the listener hands that we don't get a chance to do on the show. So keep an eye out for that. Stay tuned. We'll announce it when it, when it happens. Uh, but for now, let's do this hand from River Rock in Vancouver. Okay. So I'm not looking at the hand, so fill, yeah. fill me in, boss. So, so Zach's going blind. Uh, I read the hand a couple of seconds ago, and this is a good one. So this is a 2-5 game, River Rock in Vancouver. Our villain is a loose passive player. Played with him once before and seen him call down some big pots with top hair. Okay. The villain has 870, and our correspondent has him covered. There's a $10 button straddle this hand by a 30-year-old pro. Our hero is in the big blind with ace of spades, ace of diamonds, and the villain is under the gun. Small blind folds, and villain raises the $35. So let's stop and talk about this uh, quickly. Okay. So Zach and I played in a bunch of games during our tour across the country where button straddling was extremely common. Uh, I also play in a game in New York City where there's very often a $15 button straddle 5-5 game. And I think it's a strategy well worth considering to always just call out of the blinds. Just limp your entire range that you want to continue since that strategy, as a skilled player, it allows you to play a few more hands and i think it also throws people off at least the first times you the first couple times you limp re-raise someone things just tend to go well 
Yeah, and now, let's talk a little bit more about this because it really depends on the game. I think most games that have button straddles are typically these like looser home games, looser like underground private games where uh, stacks are maybe deep relative to the blinds but not really relative to like what the average raise size is or what the average straddle size is. So calling is going to be a lot better when it can get really awkward where you raise maybe with a decent hand and get three bet and then the SPR going to the flop will be pretty small. Right. Uh, it's also a good reason to call with your entire range there because you're going to have a lot of hands that you want to play in multi-way pot with kind of loose and not great players. But you also want to have hands that uh, you know, can three bet, uh, limp three bet for value. Uh, or limp three bet as a bluff against certain players. So I think calling is a good strategy when you want to kind of exploitably play a lot of pots with other people. Yeah. And now this this is an interesting situation since uh, if there's not normally a button straddle, you're not known to normally be a limp everything and then raise, you know, a polarized range later on. Then aces might not be the hand to limp re-raise, and the reason is that. A lot of times when you limp and re-raise, people put you on aces. And if people are putting you on the hand that you have, they're a lot more likely to play well against you than they normally are. So I, yeah. I do think, as as sort of an exploit, my early limp re-raises are going to tend to be not aces. Maybe a little bluff-heavy, although I still would probably do this with a lot of, like... Come middling, on, Jack. A, li- a little, bl- little bluff-heavy? Well, I think every bet I make is bluff-heavy. On, uh, other than the very like my, my standard bet is bluff heavy um i'll say that yeah anyways yeah i guess my my early limp early in the session limp raises are likely to be a little bit more bluff heavy since unless we know you're a listener yeah and, and, then, and then we're then, then we're just gonna yeah evaluate you to death so yeah Sorry. but if you but if, but if you know you're playing with us and you don't say anything props to you for owning us so point is i think that's worth considering in a game where there's a lot of button straddles i don't know if villain was thinking about that he didn't mention anything about that sorry not villain uh our correspondent hero in fact but i do like raising to 35 with aces here that's exactly what i would do in the situation that i think this is do you like do you like that raise that size zach yep all right uh villain under the gun uh the loose passive player calls the button calls and so the pot is approximately $105. Our flop is 10-5 deuce rainbow. And villain leads out for... Sorry, not villain. I keep saying villain. It's not the villain. It's the hero. <laughs> the hero leads out for $75. So, Zach, what do you think about this? I think generally... Like, I would like to know a little more information about the villains. Uh, did you already say that about the other two players in the hand? We don't know uh, anything the guy about the button. Oh, sorry, we do know. He's a pro. 30-year-old okay. pro, and then villain is a loose passive player. Okay. Um, this is kind of an interesting spot. Um, I could see an argument for both checking and betting. I think as like a default, betting is going to be good, and a betting of the size is going to be good, as it's a size that I think anyone's really folding a pair to. Uh, but you know, if you were to bet full pot, maybe some alarm bells would go off for people with a pair, like a pair of eights or something. But this hand, like if you were going to try to be somewhat balanced, is a good hand to include in your checking range because it doesn't really benefit from protection the way that like jacks or queens might. So 
yeah, if if we have a pro, then I think I like I like checking because one check to on the button, I think a you know a professional if that's all I know about this player is likely going to be over bluffing, and I want to encourage that. And I think that if someone has a pair, they're likely to bet out, and then we have the option of you know check raising on a really dry board for value or check calling and playing post flop. So I th- I think I like checking in this spot. Yeah, I'm I'm a little torn. I do think we get money out of the pro at a much higher frequency when we check. But it just depends a little bit on more on like what kind of pro it is. I think against a very good pro, uh, I'm less likely to check since I, I want to start getting as much value as I can from the loose passive player. And yeah, and that, I, that's, I think the that's pro, another thing. A very loose good passive, pro. So. A very good pro, I think, is much more likely to put in one barrel here and and not super likely to just really go hard on this board since I think it, it's not super deceptive. I don't think it's super deceptive of us to check aces here if that's what you decide to do. I think good pros are going to realize that not only do you have a lot of strong bluff catchers that are not super likely to fold, but you're going to have some disguised hands like tens, aces, maybe kings, and you're less likely to be floating with a hand like, you know, ace-king or sixes. Like, a lot of people are just going to limp sixes. and So I, I don't think a very good pro is worth getting to bet once on this flop. I think uh-huh. a worse pro who is likely to just see your check as you being pretty capped and just kind of start barreling off, then I think there's a lot more reason to check, but... Since we didn't get any description about this pro other than he's a pro, I'm just going to assume he's a, a good pro, and that's not the best line. So, so I do like betting. Well, because... well, let's let's talk about that for a second. I think without much information, I would assume that like a pro is not going to be like a very good pro. You know, I think there's yeah, a lot more bad pros than good pros. That I agree, but I do think like if this guy was particularly laggy, we would have heard about it. That's true. Um, Thinking more about this hand, I actually, it's just really tough, you know, without being there, because I'm sure even if the sample's pretty small, there's a lot more information that would be helpful in terms of making this decision. Uh, but I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on the betting side now, uh, just because, you know, the, that player is loose passive uh, and might call all three streets with a pair of tens, or maybe potentially even worse. And... Yeah, unless unless we could make some fairly exploitive assumptions about the pro, then uh, I think we should just start putting our hands straight forward for value. So I, I retract the checking, and I, I agree. Yeah, and, and I agree. I actually really like the sizing here. It's not so big that it's going to set off alarm bells, but it's, it's it on the bigger value, side. Yeah. And I think, one, it makes sense to be a bet a little bit bigger since we should be a little more polarized out of position against two players. Uh, even though the board's really dry. And, yeah, I like the size. I think we're going to get a lot of calls from fives, from middling pocket pairs, and from all the tens from the loose passive player. And no reason that the button couldn't have those hands or uh, have have things that he wants to continue with. So, uh, yeah, I, I like the bet. Okay. Under the gun calls and the pro folds. And... I'll add, Hero, Hero writes, I thought about checking here as the board is fairly dry 
and I want to keep someone in the hand. Then I figured I'd like to see bet hands like ace-king, ace-queen, ace-jack, king-queen, etc. here. So seeing as this board favors preflop razor range, I should probably bet close to understand the time. Question mark? Well, first off, I think whoever wrote in is definitely thinking about a lot of good stuff. And this is definitely like a, you know, I think a much higher level of analysis than even like a lot of pros are thinking about on this board. So probably yeah. for that. I think what I should you see bet 100% or close to 100% on this board? It just depends a lot on what your range looks like. I wouldn't be see betting like 100% of the time, probably since. Well, well, one, my strategy might look different here. If if I were playing a raise only strategy out of the big blind, at uh, what is this a? Uh, do we know if this is eight handed or? Well, I'm gonna assume this is nine or ten handed, and. I'd be really pretty tight. I wouldn't be opening twos. I might not even... I, I'd be really torn about fives, about whether I should just open that or just open fold it. I think that shows why, you know, just okay. calling makes sense. Limping a lot, yeah. Here it is. Yeah. And so if I were playing a raise only, I, I, I might de- definitely fold fives, and so I'd probably be checking a lot, actually, and, and betting my strongest value hands as an exploit... But I definitely want to have be checking hands like eights, nines, sevens, and ace king probably. I think ace king is a reasonable hand to check call, especially if it's ace king from, with backdoor. Yeah, from the pro, not from yeah. the not from the yeah, definitely not from the loose pass player. Yeah, but I also I, I'm not going to have all ace jack here. I'm folding ace jack offsuit if I'm playing a raise only strategy. And king queen offsuit. I'm also probably folding. So yeah, it's hard to say. I guess I guess I probably would bet a lot of my ace queen here but definitely not your entire range no not my entire range that would be a little more reasonable in a heads-up pot against a more like a better opponent but definitely not in a three-way pot with a lose passive player all right but definitely you're thinking about the right things the point is you're going to want to have bluffs here uh and if you're going to want to be bluffing here you're going to want to be value betting and you're going to be value betting betting aces is, is a pretty reasonable thing to do Okay, the Four of Hearts is the turn card, brings a flush draw. Our hero does not recall which of the other flop cards was the heart. Villain does not have the Ace of Hearts as a reminder. He writes, no reason to not continue here, question mark. And I agree. I think you should be continuing here against a loose passive player. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he makes a fairly large bet of $200, knowing that Under the Gun is probably going to call with most of his 10x hands. Uh, he writes, I do block a lot of ace-10, which is a factor in him continuing. And, and that is a factor, you're blocking ace-10, but against this sort of loose passive player, I think you're going to have a lot of jack-10, queen-10, king-10, and even hands like 5x and worse uh, worse pocket pairs. And I think we should just be betting here, because I, I don't think we're going to get much value from checking. Yep. Yeah, I think this is a pretty standard uh, betting in for value. Yeah, uh, so bets on the large side, 200, and so we're really value-targeting 10s here, which I like. Uh, and he calls within 10 seconds. So I'm going to guess that that's, that means he was on the side of 10 seconds, closer to 10 seconds, or else we probably would have heard that it was a snap call. So villain thinks for a little while and then calls. So I think hands like ace-10, jacks, uh, 
even maybe King Ten are, are now a little less likely. Really? Why? Uh, I think he would call quicker. Yeah, I don't know. The within ten seconds sounds pretty quick to me, but well, think about I. I don't know, man. I think ten seconds is a while. Yeah, I guess you're right, especially from a loose passive player that yeah. probably just. Yeah, I mean, you know. I don't think he was thinking about raising. Yeah. So if you're thinking. Yeah, you're about, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think, our river barrel on a safe card should be, on the smaller side. Mm-hmm. Uh, for sure. Now, unfortunately, for us. Or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, the river is not a blank. It's the three of diamonds. So Hero writes, I hit the wheel straight, but I'm not happy considering that a six now has me beat. I tank for a minute, trying to think if he could have a six in his range. Pocket sixes don't make it this far. Six, seven is a fairly ambitious call. Maybe five, six. But can he call that turn bet with five, six? The five on the board wasn't a heart, so he could have called with a combo draw. I know he's capable of plenty of 10x here still, and he would call with jack-jack. Queen-queen is unlikely given preflop. Slow played sets of 10s and 5s are in his range. Okay. Yeah, I think I think very likely, based on this, the guy had a 6. <laughs> uh, but I think against a loose passive player with you know a fairly wide calling range on the flop and the turn, our listener should be worried about this card not because of all the 6s in his range, but because now it's harder to get value from a 10 with you know one card to a straight and an ace making that straight so i think that's why we should not like this card uh, i think we have a pretty standard bet fold here all right well let's let's talk about stack sizes so we've got 655 in the pot and villain started the hand with 870 so we've put in 35 75 200 so we've put in 310 and so villain has 560 behind and there's 655 in the pot. So if you want to bet so do you like bet folding to like if you bet like 250 are you going to fold to a raise? Yeah, I probably bet a little bit more though. Probably bet like a, you know, like 325 something like that. I think bet folding for that sizing is a little too exploitative because that I think mm-hmm. even a loose passive player might go with an ace. Yeah, yeah, might just might just ship it with an ace since I don't think we're particularly likely at all to have a six. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess. Okay, well, I definitely don't like checking. <laughs> so I guess yeah. I guess we're I guess I we're bet, not check. I guess we're reluctantly bet call bet calling. Uh, yeah, I think we, we either bet call or we or we shove. Uh huh. And. So the reason that we would want to bet call instead of shoving is that we thought that Villain had a range of hands that he would call like a 350 type bet, but wouldn't call 560. Yeah, then maybe the maybe we bet smaller then. Yeah, I'm gonna man, I'm getting my initial reaction has not not been correct on this pod, podcast. Uh, I actually think I like betting like I don't know, like 175 or something. Like just 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 a price that like all of his pairs of tens will just like a hundred percent call. Maybe we can get away with a little bit more, like two twenty five. But I kind of like that. And then for that size, do you think we're bet folding? Well, it's tough. I I, I we, think we do have two I, of the aces. Yeah, that that's what that I think. Yeah, I think he does probably. I think he probably goes all in with an ace, but he doesn't have a lot of aces in his range 
anyways, and we're blocking them. So I think this this seems like more of a math problem to me, and whether yeah. it should be that fold, you know, just like really doing the combinatorics of like how many aces he has in his range, what percent of the time he goes all in with them. I think it's fairly likely he goes all in with them 100% of the time. So then it's really just a math problem that I'm not really able to do off the top of my head right now. My, you know, my combinatorics intuition says that it's likely, you know, a call, but it's close. I mean, I think we know that villain's going to have ace-10 here. I think it's pretty likely he's going to have ace-5, uh, the, the suited combos. He might have unsuited ace-10. I don't know. It's hard to say. I don't... Our, we know he's loose and passive, but that doesn't necessarily mean that much about his preflop range, so... Yeah. Anyway, yeah, it is... I do think it's a math problem, because I think sixes and five six are both somewhat likely from a loose passive player you know sixes really i don't know man i think loose passive players are much more likely to just call way too much with like a certain level of absolute strength as opposed to just like really station with kind of a hand that has a very small chance of improving okay so we had two two four five on the board on the turn so sixes would be a pair plus a draw five six would be a pair plus a draw yeah and I think both those hands are fairly likely to continue on the turn from a loose pass player with a pair and a draw. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I forgot about the the gut shot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if they're not if they're not likely, then then it might make sense. I don't know. Yeah. I still don't know if I'd want to shove. I still would prefer the smaller sizing, but then I w- I would be very confused about getting raised. Yeah, I think I think I think we both agree that like the smaller sizing to just ensure value from pairs of tens and those like medium hands that really don't want to call a large bet. But yeah, the real question is what do we do if if the guy shoves? So yeah, and that's that's just a math problem because he's never bluffing. So yeah, I guess we'll just kind of deal with that in the in depth analysis. Yeah, yeah, the podcast breakdown. I do think shoving. Uh, oh, okay. So I, I haven't revealed uh, our hero's action. He decided he's getting called by plenty worse and jammed to put them all in. And if that's if that's your feeling on the, about this guy that he's going to call with plenty of worse, then you have hands, a clear shove. Then, yeah, clear sh- shove. certainly yeah. shove. My, I guess Zach and our intuition, just based on what what we know about this player, loose passive is descriptive, but not that descriptive in terms of like magnitude. Like, is he extremely loose and passive? Is he somewhat loose, very passive? You know, we. We don't have, obviously have as much information as Villain does here. Or sorry, not Villain, Hero. So if Hero, our correspondent, if you feel like you're getting called by plenty worse, jam, yes. Put him all in. And he snap calls with five, six of spades. Villain goes on to ask, is the jam the right play? If I check any jams, I think I have to call anyway. Is it better to just keep the initiative and make him have to decide? Well, yeah, I we... think we've we've already presented another option, which is to bet small and then you sort of have a math problem on whether that <laughs> that should be a call or a fold and i think defaulting towards a call is probably correct since i do think it's pretty likely that he would shove an ace and i think it's fairly unlikely he's not going to have enough aces relative to his sixes if the only sixes he ever has are five six and sixes mm-hmm. so i think probably a small bet and then calling is going to be better than checking and then calling a jam for sure. 
So it is really a question of, in my mind, uh, unless you can sort of prove mathematically that you should be folding into a jam if you bet small, is whether or not he's going to call the shove with like tens or a set of fives and a set or a set of tens. Mostly if he's going to call with tens. And if your intuition says yes, then I think yes, jamming was the right play. Yeah. Close spot, and I think really good analysis by uh, the person that's handed. Thank you. Villain writes, uh, sorry, Hero writes. <laughs> I think Florida. you've said that like 10 times. I know. Sorry, sorry man. <laughs> I, I you're not a villain. You're not a villain. You're, uh, you're a hero, yeah. To further validate or vindicate my read, the next orbit he called off the entire stack with top pair versus a full house to the pro mention <laughs> in my hand. This actually okay, that... happened after my hand. Um, yeah. So I'm glad you were right. Yeah, so I guess it's just it's, it's showing that your intuition was right. And if I think that's a good lesson that you should often go with your intuition. And unless you have you know, well-identified biases, in which case you should sort of weigh those in. But I don't think it's a huge bi- a huge bias is likely. I think, you were, if anything, you were maybe more afraid of being beat than you should have been. And, and I like the jam. Cool. Uh, thank you for writing in. And, yeah, keep them coming. Yes, yes. Thank you, thank you. All right. Uh, Zach, I'll talk to you soon. Goodbye.